Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's the Stream Police Podcast, Episode 3 for May 25th, 2015. Hello once again, friends. Clint Davis, Editor-in-Chief and uh, Movie and Television Writer for OverdueReview.com. Proud to be back in the seat again today for the Overdue Review Stream Police Podcast, the official podcast here of our lovely website, where we write long-form reviews of, uh, well, retrospective reviews of some of the things that uh, we've seen over the years. We've had a chance to watch them and watch them and watch them again. Or listen to them and listen to them and listen to them again. And with the benefit of hindsight, we give you the definitive review um, of those pieces. Ad-free on the site, as always, and the show here. Also uh, ad-free and uh, coming at you free every other week is how often we're, we're trying to do this thing on the stream police at OverdueReview.com. You can catch this show, by the way, however you're listening to it, I'm sure is your preferred way. But if you go on iTunes, you can subscribe to it so you'll automatically get all the new episodes. Um, if you have a SoundCloud account, you can subscribe that way. So you'll automatically get all the new episodes. Um, we're also in TuneIn Radio. Um, we're on Stitcher. We're on a, a couple different things uh, out there. But, you know, just search it, Stream Police Podcast, um, and you should find the show and be able to listen to it in any way you choose. Or you can just keep going to the website every couple of weeks, and we will let you know when we've released a new episode. Welcome in. It's Episode 3 of the Stream Police. Like I said, I'm Clint Davis. I'll be talking to you about some movies and some TV shows. You should be streaming. Um, and if you're already streaming some of these, then maybe I'll, uh, I'll give you my take on them. Maybe you uh, felt like it wasn't worth your time sticking with it. Maybe you're a couple episodes into a show and you're wondering, should I stick this thing out? I'll do my best to let you know um, if if it is indeed worth uh, sticking around through the entire 12 episode or in some grueling network cases, 24 episode uh, run of an individual season. Um, if you ever have questions, uh, don't be shy. Send them to me. I'd love to answer some email questions. Um, my email address is theclintdavis, T-H-E, Clint Davis, at gmail.com. Coming up in a little bit, we'll hear from our music editor, Andy Sedlak. And if you want to reach him with any music uh, requests or any uh, topics you want to suggest for the show, I'm sure he'd love to get those as well. His email is sedlakjournal at gmail.com, S-E-D-L-A-K, and then the word journal at gmail.com. I want to start the show as I always do by telling you what my cigar of the week is. I, I've We've heard a little bit of feedback on this show, and one of the biggest pieces of feedback I heard from one of my good friends, Tyler Pigman, was that 
His favorite segment of the week was the cigar of the week. He waits with bated breath to find out what I'm going to be smoking in my home studio slash closet that I've turned into a studio um, in my home in the in the uh, Cincinnati, Ohio region. And uh, Tyler, you'll be happy to know this week I'm smoking a CAO concert. So there you go, CAO concert if you're uh, keeping score at home on the cigar of the week. And by the way, my cigar of the week segment, anybody who does know this, is uh, pretty impressive in my book. Um, it's a throwback to really one of the guys who is one of my heroes in uh, podcasting and broadcasting, a guy named Norm Augustinus. He hosts a, a podcast that's been on iTunes for years. And this guy is really one of the big pioneers of podcasting. Um, and he, uh, he every week would always uh, smoke a, c- a cigarette in his closet studio. He'd smoke like a few cigarettes, actually. He would hand roll them and he'd always say that and he would always, you'd hear the thing lighten up. And so I just thought, First off, it relaxes me. Second off, I'm at my house, and let, why not give a tip of the hat to Norm Augustinus? So that's that's where I got the segment idea from. So anyways, my CAO concert. Let's go ahead and give this a light here. Ah, not bad. Not bad at all. All right. Um, I've got some news to start off with here. Nothing movie-related. I just want to mention this because it's big news in my own life. Since the last time we spoke... I now have my right leg in a giant cast because I broke my leg in two places after I fell down a staircase at my house since the last time we talked. Yeah, how about that? Fell down the stairs like a complete moron. Um, And now I'm going to be laid up at my house for like a couple months, the doctor says, before I can walk on this thing, right at the start of summer. So this is just fantastic, friends. Let me tell you. I mean, this week I've been kind of – I mean, it's it's been kind of nice to just be able to sit back and prop my leg up and, and, and work from home this week. But I know this is going to get old very fast. Like, this week, this is what I sound like. All right, but I know that in a month's time, this is probably what I'm going to end up sounding like. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains in. I'm going to bash them right the f*** in. <laughs> So I'm just warning my wife, Beth, right now to uh, go ahead and get the axe ready and make sure that I cannot get uh, within reach of it. So anyways, there's a little personal news for you to uh, start it out. So uh, safe to say I'm going to be watching probably even more movies and TV shows than I already do on a weekly basis, which is already an uh, inhumane amount. So uh, the next few shows are probably during this broken leg period are going to uh, uh, they're going to be pretty packed. Uh, let's start this week by talking about some television. Um, I want to mention a show. I, I brought this up last week. I said that its its finale was coming, and that I had to talk about it because it's one of my favorite shows of all time. I'm sure you know what I'm what I'm talking about. The Mad Men finale aired finally on May 17th, um, and I, I say finally as if I was like eager for it. This was one of those finales. Um, everyone's had this. Whatever show it is, if it's one of your favorite shows, whenever the finale's coming up, you're excited to see how it's going to end. But it's so damn sad. Like you do not want that episode to end ever. You just want it to keep going on and on. Just come on, extra scenes, more scenes. Please, I don't care. I want to know what happens to this character. I want to know what happened to that side character. Let's, let's just go back to that one real quick. Let's take a flashback. Let's take a flash forward. I don't care. Let's let's find out what happened. Please, make the credits go a little longer. Let me hear a, the, the theme song again. I mean, you just want anything to extend it because it is. It's sad. It's. It, I, I heard a, a, a study on the news that said that today we have so we watch so many TV shows and we get invested in so many characters that these characters are like real people in our lives. 
um, more so than they were like 30, 40 years ago. I mean, the characters now, all the shows are so character driven. So many of them are anyways. You feel like you really get to know these people. And Mad Men was definitely this way. I mean, Don Draper, Betty Draper, Peggy Olson, Pete Campbell, whether you loved them or, or hated them, Joan Harris, Roger Sterling, all these characters over time. You got to know them. You especially knew their faults. That show was really about their faults at the at the core of it, um, the, and and the faults of of the world that we've lived in uh, for so long. Continue to live in. Didn't matter that it was set in the '60s. A lot of the things that the women, especially on that show, were dealing with, uh, are, are still things that they're fighting over today. So, the Mad Men finale. I just want to mention it. I'm not going to give away any spoilers. I'll never give away spoilers on this show. Um, especially not for finales or anything like that. But, I mean, this this truly was one of those shows that I feel like was once um, once in a TV generation. And by a TV generation, I probably – I mean about a decade. Um, and and I, I think this is really interesting about, about Mad Men. Um, it was a show that really was born out of the dust of The Sopranos because the guy who created the show, Matthew Weiner, was a writer and executive producer on The Sopranos and really came – into his own as a as a TV writer, he had worked on Becker before that, which you know was a show with Ted Danson on CBS, um, a sitcom. He had worked on that show as a writer, but then he he got onto The Sopranos staff, and to hear him tell it, it's like that's where he really learned how to run a show, working with David Chase, the creator of The Sopranos. And if you know anything about our our website, Overdue Review, and and really a lot of people feel this way, it's not just. Uh, Mr. Sedlak and myself, but The Sopranos is like on its own planet. I mean, it is truly um, just as engrossing, as as complex, as well thought out, as well planned, well executed as anything that's ever been produced, television or movies, especially on television, um, just in the history of the medium. And the writers on that show have really gone on to have a lot of success. The two most notable ones, I feel like, are... Matthew Weiner, who created Mad Men, and Terrence Winter, who created uh, Boardwalk Empire and continues to do uh, more and more work for HBO, it seems like. So I'll be interesting, interested to know what Matthew Weiner is going to do next. One, one thing I really want to give him credit for, though, on this show, and this is strictly from like an inside baseball standpoint, not really about what was on the show, but what was going on behind the scenes. Weiner gave perhaps more jobs to female staff writers than any other showrunner in the history of, of dramatic uh, television. I mean, this show from the second season on, most of its writing staff was women. So whenever I hear people say that, that Mad Men, they feel like it's a sexist show, other than the obvious, I feel like it is supposed to be sexist sometimes in that it's trying to show the struggle that the women went through. Wouldn't be a sin for us to see your legs. If you pull your waist in a little bit, you might look like a woman. But I would never call that show a sexist show. And if you did, I don't think you're watching the right. I don't think you're watching the same program as I was. But I just kind of laugh at that because in season two, that show had a ratio of seven to two men versus women and writers in the writing staff. And one of those two men was Matthew Weiner, the creator of the show. So, I mean, really, this this show was dominated by women in the writing room. Um, I mean, Weiner has his fingerprints all over and he's the one that directed the ship. But um, I mean, women have been all over the show from day one as far as its creation and its direction. Um, and it's also been an, an environment where writers were kept on their toes uh, because to hear Matthew Weiner talk about it, he said that one of the things he always did on the show was he didn't let the writers know which episodes they were going to be assigned to writing. They'd have a big staff meeting. They'd have all these ideas pitched out. And then he'd call somebody like a few minutes after the meeting and he'd say, oh, by the way, you're writing that episode that we just talked about. And he said that that was a technique he learned from David Chase on The Sopranos. And what it did was it kept 
all the writers engaged every week. And it didn't just keep the writers engaged in whatever story they were trying to pitch, whatever character they're trying to introduce, whichever episode they happened to be writing. It kept everyone engaged all the time. So everyone really knew the characters well and could write any of them with strength. So um, that, that's one of the, I feel like, the key secrets behind that show. And it's just how even keeled it was all the way through. Now, was Mad Men magnetic the entire for its entire run? No, definitely not. I would not call that a magnetic show. It was very slow, a slow burn for sure. That term gets tossed around a lot in the post wire days, uh, but it was certainly a slow burn. Um, but it, but it was as much about the history of advertising, the history of media as we know it, and and the history of uh, like gender politics in America and race politics to a lesser degree, definitely about gender politics in America, um, as it was just about these characters themselves. So uh, just I can't say enough about Mad Men. It's on Netflix. It's probably going to be on Netflix forever. So uh, check it out. I mean, however you got to do it. I, the I picked up the show in the second season. I started watching it on, in the second season on AMC. I, I missed the first season. I missed out on that one. Um, but I went to the library and picked it up for free. I picked up both discs or however many discs it was for the first season and watched it that way. So you have a public library near you, you don't have Netflix or whatever, go to the library and pick up Mad Men and, and watch all the seasons because it's definitely well worth your time. You'll learn a lot as well. All right. Uh, another uh, show that I want to get to that I mentioned last week that had its finale since the last time we spoke um, on May 3rd on Fox, the finale of The Last Man on Earth aired. This is a half hour uh, comedy sitcom that's airing right now on Fox. It's, it's a one camera show. And I feel like this is the best half hour on TV right now. Um, after one season. I mean, I just feel like this was a show if you saw the promos for it. The Last Man on Earth, starring Will Forte. Uh, he was the guy that created it. He's from uh, Saturday Night Live. If you remember the promos, it was like him just sitting in a uh, room talking to himself. Um, he's got all these like American artifacts around him, and he's just doing like stupid things that you would do if you were the last person on Earth. And then the title came up, Last Man on Earth. And you're going, the premise is so thin. How the hell could this possibly be a television show, and how could it be one that could last more than like two episodes and, and be interesting at all? And I thought that way when I went into it, but I loved it from the first episode, loved the show. And all season long, it was strong. It was funny. It was surprising. It kept you on your toes. Um, I just have to say, the show, I feel like the way that they've constructed it, it provides endless possibilities. It provides endless mystery and a ton of chances for memorable guests to come up. I mean, they can introduce a new character every week and they can introduce uh, new storylines all the time. I mean, this a whole first season went by and they didn't even really mention very much except in passing what it was that caused all the people on Earth to die, except for these handful of people who are uh, left on the show. Um, so, I mean, just tons of things that they can explore on this show. The writing staff is made up mostly of SNL uh, scribes and the directors of the first two episodes were Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, and those names might mean something to you because those are the guys that did 21 and 22 Jump Street and also the guys that did the Lego movie, which was phenomenally successful and really strangely and stupidly denied an Oscar nomination for Best Animated Movie. It probably should have won that award last year. Uh, but, yeah, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller were involved in the first couple episodes, and it's just it's a 
it's such a funny show. It's got January Jones on it, uh, a Mad Men alum. It's got um, it's got tons of people. Mary Steenburgen's on it. Um, Kristen Schaal is on it from Thirty Rock. A lot of funny people. A couple funny people that I had never seen before who ended up being just really great um, on this show. And, and, and I would say about the Last Man on Earth, the lead character in it, Phil Miller played by Will Forte, is one of the least likable guys you'll ever see on a TV show. I mean, he's just a total boob in every way and completely unlikable. Um, And he's just constantly screwing everything up. It sounds like a very stale sitcom lead character, but I'm telling you, it's stick with the show because it really does have a lot of surprises up its sleeve. And and you can zoom through that first season pretty fast um, on Hulu Plus right now. Uh, So once again, I credit Kevin Riley, the executive at Fox, who greenlit that before he was let go, uh, because that's it's another show. I, I, f- I feel like it's going to be up. I would pretty much guarantee it's going to be up for an Emmy for Best Comedy Series uh, next year at the Emmys, and it very well could win that award. So there you go, Last Man on Earth. Uh, that's one I certainly recommend for, this, for the uh, stream if you want to get on one. So can I just take any house? or? Well, this one's Phil's, and mine's the one across the street with the broken door. <laughs> Phil broke it. I'm going to fix your door, Carol. <laughs> well, he's not very handy, so I'm not going to hold my breast. Breath. Why would I hold my breath? I would die. Carol, why would you hold your breast? It's oh, holding your breath because there's danger if you hold your breath. I wouldn't. That's what I'm saying. So the house of the broken door is yours. Yeah. But every other one is available. I would avoid the white one because Phil uses the pool as a toilet. Carol. What? It's the truth. You know. I still can't believe this. This is never thought I'd see people again. And you two sure are people. Uh, another show that you need to be streaming if you're not already. Uh, this is a show that is about to premiere its third season uh, by the next time we talk on June 4th on NBC. I'm talking about Hannibal. Uh, season three picks up on June 4th. Hannibal right now is on Amazon Prime. It is not on Hulu and I, and it's not on Netflix. But, man, if you see Hannibal and, and you see it on DVD or, or whatever, you will not be disappointed in the show if you like dark TV. If you like dark TV and if you like police procedurals and if you like uh, – and if gore doesn't freak you out, um, you'll really love Hannibal. It's a pitch black show. It's It, it exists in the universe of uh, Thomas Harris's Hannibal Lecter uh, series, you know, The Silence of the Lambs and Red Dragon and Hannibal and uh, all those all those stories. Um, so the the main character really is Hannibal Lecter. He's the guy you're watching the show for, played by Mads Mikkelsen, who, oh, my God, I mean, this guy is, I mean, he'll be in your nightmares. I mean, if you thought Anthony Hopkins was really great in that part, which he was, uh, Mads Mikkelsen is doing a fantastic job of making it his own as well. Um, it's it's Hannibal Lecter and Will Graham, the guy that Edward Norton played in Red Dragon, the investigator. Uh, character and they just put a completely new spin on it. They're introducing all kinds of characters. It reminds me of Gotham a little bit, except it's even darker and more serious. Um, it, it's got a lot of psychology in it. So if you like True Detective and you like kind of that philosophy that was behind that show, I think you'll dig Hannibal as well. Um, but just a lot of striking images that stick with you. A lot of nasty stuff and a lot of great conversations though uh, between Hannibal and Will Graham. Hello, Will. Doctor Lecter. Lost in thought. Not lost. Not anymore. (laughs) I used to hear my thoughts inside my skull with the same um, 
tone, timber accent, as if the words were coming out of my mouth. And now? Now. My inner voice sounds like you. Friendship can sometimes involve a breach of individual separateness. You're not my friend. The light from friendship won't reach us for a million years. That's how far away from friendship we are. Um, another guy who's on the show who I hadn't seen in forever was Lawrence Fishburne. He plays a, a pretty main character um, as well through the first few seasons. So uh, I, I've loved Hannibal. I can't say how much I've... I can't emphasize enough how much I've loved that show and how surprised by that I was also because I'm a big lover of those films and I, I just didn't expect much from a TV show that was going to exist in that universe. But, man, NBC has knocked it out of the park with Hannibal. So it's going to be a summer show probably, I mean, I had to say the best network show of the summer um, and one of the best shows on television, period. I don't care what season you're talking about. Uh, it's just well acted. It's often disgusting. And it's so sharp. The writing is so sharp on this show. It was created by the guy who did Pushing Daisies and Dead Like Me. He's like never had a show that lasted more than a couple seasons, but fans and critics love his, love his shows. Um, the guy's name is slipping my mind right now. I apologize. Uh, but he created Hannibal and has just done a fantastic job with it. And I think this is going to end up being his his long running show. I hope so. Anyways, um, it's it's just it's a show that is. Definitely destined to find a bigger audience online than on air because it's really binge worthy. So uh, add Hannibal to your queue if you if you're on Amazon Prime, you need to be watching Hannibal right now. And the third season picks up on NBC on June 4th. I just I love that show. Can't say enough about how much I love that show. It's one of those shows that'll make you feel smarter when you watch it too. I mean, it's just kind of uh, like True Detective was. It, it really. It's just loaded with psychology and with class, and it's just it, it drips class, and it also drips blood, and and it's got a lot of great cannibalism in it. So it's just it's a nasty show. It's a very very cool show. So Hannibal, I couldn't recommend that one uh, more. We'll send it over to Andy, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about a show that I haven't always loved. Um, American Idol. I'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, but uh, first, like I said, let's toss it over to our music editor, Andy Sedlak, and see what he's got going on this week. Take it away, Andy. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So I guess we'll get going with uh Taylor Swift stuff uh this time out. And, and you know, before I begin 
I, I, I'm not anti-Taylor Swift. I'm not anti-pop. I'm not anti-fun. I'm not anti-top 40. I'm not anti-dance. I'm not anti-anything, really. Um, you know, I, I, not at all. But have you seen the new video? Have you seen the new video for Bad Blood? Because baby, now we got bad blood. I don't know. I get, it might, you know, here's the thing. It starts out, she's in an office building. It's got like a minority report vibe. And then Selena Gomez kicks her through a window for some reason. Then the song starts. She's laying on a car. And then she goes into uh, surgery, I think. And then she's out in the cold. And somebody puts a knife through a teddy bear. No shit. No, no shit. Somebody puts a knife through a teddy bear uh, for some reason. And then, I don't know, they're on motorcycles. And Selena Gomez is smoking a, not Selena Gomez, the, uh, uh, Lena Dunham, the girl's girl, uh, smoking a cigar and every Every now and then you got Kendrick Lamar in there who I guess just has to, I don't know, pay the bills. He's got to, you know, it's he's in show business. I don't know. But that being said, I would be curious to hear sort of what our readers and what our listeners think of the video. I, I think, you know, we're sort of uh, like-minded in, in many ways, and I'd be interested to uh, to get your opinion. So if you want to fire off an email to Sedlak Journal, S-E-D-L-A-K, the word journal all squished together at gmail.com, please feel free to do so. Uh, let me let me just come around and say it, and I'll be candid. I don't know if this is my thing. She's in danger, in my opinion, of becoming unrelatable. Taylor Swift is in danger of becoming unrelatable. Uh, a few years ago when she was in country, her whole thing was that she was sort of the sheepish, the sheepish girl who kept a journal. And now she's sort of exposing that journal to the world. Well, now she's moved to New York. She's hanging out with celebs. Um, and, you know, she's, you know, you know, ramping up the or trying to ramp up the sex appeal. Um, she released this pop album. And if you remember, um, you know, I, I again was was quite impressed with with Blank Space, but um, but here's the thing with the 1989 album. I think we got maturity in the production, but yet I'm still waiting for some sort of uh, maybe a, a, a lyrical maturity or a, a maturity regarding subject matter. But you know, it's this whole New York A list thing. It's unrelatable. You know these fan, you know these these fans. What are, what are these country fans thinking right now? The fans, the 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 actual girls who were sitting alone in the stands of the football field, and you know trying to search for the words and all that stuff. I'm not saying that artists cannot mature. I'm just saying Taylor Swift maybe isn't maturing like she thinks that she is. There we go. That's my takeaway. Hey, for what that one's worth, got to take a sip of coffee. It's early now as I'm talking to you. It's uh, so look at my clock, eleven twenty-six a.m. <laughs> I remember when I used to uh, used to you know get up at noon. Now those were the days. Hey, um, by the way, that music video, that Bad Blood video, premiered on uh, the Billboard Music Awards, which I had never watched before, top to bottom. I watched them the other night. I'd say I was quite impressed. Um, I, I thought some of the performances were good. I thought, frankly, the performances at the Billboard Music Awards were better than than most of the performances at the Grammys. Uh, and there were um, there were sort of the, the performances I think were more de- diverse. Um, you had Simple Minds there. Uh, Simple Minds, the band from the '80s, sort of commemorating the 30th anniversary. The 30th. 
anniversary of Breakfast Club. And they, they look good. They sounded good. Keep in mind, it's been 30 years since Don't You Forget About Me was a, was a radio hit. And I thought they were good. They moved around good. They put on a little weight. But for God's sake, it's 30 years. Um, but, yeah, again, I thought the, the, their rendition of uh, Don't You Forget About Me sounded really solid. You know, it sounded a little garagey. So, so yeah, hats off to the Billboard Music Awards. I know there were certain headlines that came out of that show. Um, you know, Kanye's performance, I think they censored like a, a minute of his, uh, his performance. And um, you couldn't really see him very well because of the... The effects, um, everybody thought, you know, Chrissy Teigen was weird and drunk and, you know, I don't know. She is weird and she is probably a drunk, but uh, that sort of added a, a certain spontaneity. It sort of made it interesting. And uh, her co-host was ludicrous. And I think it's the worst kept secret in show business that Lud- Luda is actually a well-spoken, articulate dude. Uh, I enjoyed watching him for, you know, whatever it was, the three hours that the show was on. And they had a, a, nice, a neat little moment as well. Uh, keep in mind, this is just a few days after B.B. King died. They they honored him. I think they showed his picture on this, you know, big screen. And then they had, they actually had uh, Lucille. And they sort of swung the camera around. And Lucille, the, his guitar, was on center stage, at center stage, with just a spotlight on the guitar. It was just a simple thing, but incredibly effective. Given the, the you know that we had just lost uh, a legend like BB King, just simple but effective. Again, I thought the Billboard Music Awards to to a degree were just well done. It's well done, and I still don't know what their thing is. You know, obviously you've got the Billboard charts, okay, and it, which is not just top forty. It's not just the Hot One Hundred. Um, uh, it's you know they've got all kinds of charts. They got adult, you know, adult contemporary. You know they've got. Uh, I think they've got like an alternative country chart. Maybe I'm making that up. Anyway, the point is they've got a bunch of different uh, charts: mainstream rock, all that stuff. Um, and so you had sort of, yeah, like I say, some varied performances. I mean, for Christ's sake, uh, Van Halen performed. Actually, Taylor Swift introduced Van Halen. And I, maybe, maybe that's the whole point of the Billboard uh, Music Awards is that you've got Taylor, you, you have the ability for Taylor Swift to introduce Van Halen. That's their thing. Because they don't really have a thing otherwise. You know, the MTV, uh, you know, you've got like the VMAs, right? Um, which... There's just a sort of a spontaneity spunk that I guess you, you kind of watch for. You've got the Grammys, which is supposed to be like, you know, the the awards show for music. Um, you've got, uh, I don't know, I think Nickelodeon has a show. It's obviously geared toward younger folks, um, you know, tweens. But, um, but, but the Billboard Music Awards, I'm not sure what their thing is other than just that's just a little bit of everything, and they seem to do it pretty well. So I thought, you know, I, I actually enjoyed it. I, I thought I thought it was good. I thought, um, you know, it, it was fun to watch. Um, so what else is going on out there? I, I, Luke Bryan, speaking of maturity, we're talking about Taylor Swift um, and maturity. And there's certainly a maturity in her sound and in, in the production that she's bringing to music. Um, but is there maturity elsewhere? I don't know. It's up for debate. Like I say, uh, you know, bad blood is... Basically about a chick fight. But, um, but you know, 
Maturity is kind of a buzzword. You know, our artists like to mature. They like to think they're maturing. They like to they like to stretch. They like to um, they like to turn a corner. They like to you know bring something new to the table. Um, they like to talk about doing that stuff. Uh, so Luke Bryan that brings me to Luke Bryan. He insists in a new sa- a new uh, 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 interview. Just call it right where two people were talking uh, in a new interview with uh, Rolling Stone. Insists that his music is maturing. This comes on the heels of a new uh, a new song that's just been released called "Kick the Dust Up." Kick the dust up. <laughs> Let me read you some lyrics. All right. Bar downtown, they got a line waiting out the door. $10 drinks, it's packed inside. I don't know what they're waiting for. Got me a jar full of clear, and I got that music for your ear. And it's like, knock, 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 goes the diesel. If you really want to see the beautiful people, we go way down where there ain't nobody. We turn this cornfield into a party. Uh, Pedal to the, I'm reading, pedal to the floorboard, End up in a four-door, burning up a back road song. Park it, and we pile out. Baby, watch your step now. Better have your boots on. Kick the dust up. Let's back it on up. Fill your cup up. Let's tear it up, up, and kick the dust up. It ain't John Lennon. So he told Rolling Stone just recently, uh, and this is a quote, I feel like as I get older, my music is going to naturally mature. Having released Kick the Dust Up yesterday, that's young and fun. But on this album, there are things that are more mature subject matter. I've got a song on there that really touches on the big picture of life. It's funny, the distance between uh, the what artists say and what artists do. And, oh, I think, you know, honestly, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pressure out there on folks to, to sort of get this right. God dang it, to get it right, you got to be this, you got to be on, this is who you are, here's your thing, here's your hook, here's your label. You know, that's the thing about it. Business people, marketing people, they don't look at labels as being a bad thing. Artists, people in the game, uh, they they don't want labels. They want to quickly shed a label. They want to embrace a label, and then a lot of artists want to shed it just as quickly, quickly, and pick something else. And that's part of you know sort of the evolving process. But marketing people don't think like that. Marketing people are very pro label. Uh, so there we go. I don't know. What do I recommend though? Here we go. This is the home stretch. What do I recommend for you? I could not recommend more. A new album from Brandon Flowers, who is the frontman for The Killers. He released his second solo album uh, just last week on Tuesday. It's called The Desired Effect, and it is uh, top to bottom pretty fantastic. And I started out by talking about pop music and the fact that that I'm I'm really not anti-pop. And this is interesting because the album, this uh, the Desired Effect album is interesting because it is a, and I always like it, and this was mentioned in a a recent article that I wrote or that uh, I read as well, is that you have a a front man for a rock band who wrote, uh, recorded, and has just released an unapologetically pop record. Um, And when was the last time that that truly happened? Um, and the thing I do like about Brandon's record is that it's not selling out. Okay. The difference is that he released a pop record. There's a difference between selling out and releasing a pop record because the latter suggests uh, a, a higher degree of artistic control. 
and it, it the sound itself is very 80s inspired uh which would have been sort of the era that he grew up in uh there are some songs that sound like peter gabriel there are a few songs that sound like they could um like like uh uh dexy's midnight runners there are songs that sound like kind of you know 80s era jackson brown really um and there's so there's some good stuff. There's some really cool stuff on there. I mean, I, I could recommend I, literally almost every track. There's a song called Lonely Town that I've been playing in my car just all the time. I've been playing it every day. So get ready for work, Lonely Town. You know, I come home, Lonely Town. When I'm um, hanging out, you know, with with the dog late at night, Lonely Town. It's been like a when I was just a kid. I always There's a song called Dreams Come True. It's the song that kicks off the album that I, I it has really grown on me. There's a song called Never Get You Right that I really like. There's, song, there's, a, lot, there's a song that's uh, called Still Want You. It's a lot of fun. Between Me and You uh, is a masterpiece. The album is sequenced well. When was the last time we talked about an album sequencing? Uh, top of it, it's just a great listen. It's a full listen. Uh, he's, the, he, he writes smart songs, interesting songs. Um, they're sequenced well. I could not recommend it more. The Desired Effect We'll toss it back to Clint, my fellow uh, officer here on the uh, Stream Police Beat. Clint, take it away, brother. All right, thank you as always, Mr. Sedlak. You can, uh, of course, go over to OverdueReview.com and and read any of Andy's uh, uh, album reviews. Uh, He does a hell of an album review, and also he does a hell of an obituary. I mean, I I don't want to make the guy sound like he's morbid or anything, but with all the music legends that have been dying recently um, and and in the last year since he really started writing for the website – He's written a lot of obits, I feel like, and, and every one of them has been heartfelt, has been very good. He's done a great job of, of picking out some of the songs maybe you didn't know so well or some of the stories you may not have heard about those artists. So um, uh, Andy Sedlak, our music editor at OverdueReview.com. All right, staying in the music vein, uh, I told you I was going to talk about a show that I don't always love so much. I mean, there have been times where I've liked American Idol as much as the next guy, believe it or not, but... Uh, those years were uh, a long time ago. American Idol did announce since the last time we spoke that it is going to be ending in 2016 after its next season. And to me, I just have to say they should have shot this dog a long time ago. I mean, a good rap for this show would have been after season 10 in 2011. That was Simon's first season away. Simon Cowell. He was – I hate to be one of these guys who said that the show lived and died with Simon Cowell. Because really it was supposed to be much more than that. It was supposed to be about the singers, the artists, the the songs that they were paying tribute to, um, the the storylines, the talents. But really, let's 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 not kid ourselves. This show was about a British guy who was kind of an asshole, a stuck up arrogant prick who liked to pick on teenagers who were trying to live their dream, and he liked to tell them that no, they shouldn't give up their day job and they should go sing on a cruise ship if they ever want to sing for a living. Um, I mean, that was what made American Idol so great in the early years oh scott it was dreadful no no really dreadful um and i'm saying that to be kind because you will never ever ever have a career in singing i don't believe you i'm telling you i don't believe you i'm telling you well you can tell me all you want but i won't believe you remember these words you're not a singer you taking singing lessons yes i do who's your teacher there was this lady up in montana do you have a lawyer no, I don't have a lawyer. Get a lawyer and sue her. Seriously. 
I'm serious. And and what made it even better than the times that Simon just totally shit on people were the times where he actually had something good to say. It let you know, I mean, oh, my God, this is somebody I need to pay attention to. This person's got a chance. You didn't have to like Simon. You didn't have to agree with him. I think, in fact, if you didn't like him, that was more what he was going for. Uh, but the show kind of, I mean, it lived and died with him. But really, the show wore out its usefulness once the people on the show stopped selling albums. Um, I mean, and also the show fell out of the Nielsen Top Ten in 2012, and only two of the last six winners have gone platinum. That's the thing. In the early days, all the the initial winners of the show, whether it was Kelly Clarkson, um, Fantasia, Ruben Studdard, like the people you never even heard anything else about, they all went platinum. I mean, it was like guaranteed. You were going to sell records if you won American Idol, and even if you appeared on the show and you were on for – you know, into the top five or six or whatever. You were going to sell records. It was guaranteed. Those were different days, though, my friend, as Andy would agree, as anyone in the music business knows anything about the music business uh, would agree. They were very different days. I mean, here's a sad thing, the saddest statistic about American Idol. William Hung, you remember William Hung, this guy? You're playing games and now you're hitting my heart like a drum. Yeah, baby. She plays, she plays. Oh, baby, but she moves, she moves. That guy right there sold more records than the last two winners of the show. Hung didn't even make it through the audition section. He had one audition. Everybody laughed him off the stage. I mean, for good reason. The guy was totally tone deaf. He had no business being a singer. He sold more albums than the last two people that won the show. That's when I think American Idol, Simon Fuller, and all the other executives said, all right, this pony's limp. Let's go ahead and put it to pasture. The fault of the show failing is on the record business, and idols disconnect with the people who buy albums. Um, And I don't want to hear about The Voice. Um, Everybody who extols on The Voice's prowess and says, well, The Voice is what killed American Idol. You know what killed American Idol was The Voice. It wasn't The Voice that killed American Idol. Only one voice contestant has cracked the top 10 album charts. So the voice is not the reason why American Idol winners have stopped selling albums. Maybe it's one of the reasons why the show didn't get the ratings it got anymore, but it is not the reason why it fell out of the top 10 album charts um, because nobody on The Voice has sold any records at all. I can't even name a single winner of The Voice, and I've watched that show a few times as well. So those shows live and die on their judges. And Idol's judges kept switching. It was musical chairs every year. There was a time when that show, that was the most coveted job you could get. I mean, who would ever want to leave that show? I don't know. The best part of the show is when they had Jimmy Iovine on there for a couple seconds, just because I was hoping maybe some of the Bruce Springsteen residue would rub off on whoever it was in the studio. But alas, it never happened. There's uh, one movie that I have to mention. I'd be remiss if I did not mention this movie because... After it ended, I've been thinking about it so much. After I went to the theater last week and saw it, you've probably already heard a ton of hype about it because pretty much everyone who's seen it has has been loving it. Um, I'm talking about Mad Max Fury Road. If you didn't see Mad Max Fury Road yet, stop whatever you're doing. Stop this show. Put it on pause. Go to the theater, especially if you've got a giant like IMAX theater and they're showing it, and watch Mad Max Fury Road. I don't care what gender you are. I don't care how old you are. This movie will get your heart racing. It will uh, move you at times, and it will renew your faith in action films. It is one of the best action movies I've ever seen, straight action movie, because it is a straight action movie. Let's not mistake ourselves. There, There is not a lot of dialogue in this film. The story is very minimal. It's very simple. Um, it takes place in a very short time frame. 
and the bulk of the movie is taken up by these action sequences that are so expertly directed. The movie was directed by the guy who did the original Mad Max movies, uh, George Miller. And he came back here like 20 years after the last one with Mel Gibson. He, he's got Tom Hardy playing the main part. That's the guy that did Bane in the Dark Knight movies. Um, and he's, he's done tons of stuff since then. It's got Charlize Theron in it in one of the best parts that I've seen her play ever. It is a hell of a movie. And and the biggest surprise for me was I did not realize when I went and saw Mad Max Fury Road that it was going to be the biggest feminist flick that I've seen in so long. I mean, it's a feminist movie for the ages. So if you're a woman out there and you're listening to the show and you're rolling your eyes going, oh, I mean, come on, Mad Max Fury Road. I mean, who cares? It's a bunch of it's, it's, it's a bunch of souped up muscle cars driving across the desert, guys blowing each other up. Yeah, it's got a couple women in it, but who cares? I mean, they're just shooting guns at each other. I mean, what depth could this possibly have? The movie's got so much depth, symbolism, layered story about uh, about sexism and about these women breaking free the shackles, literally, of their male oppressors and uh, just charging out into the desert, proving themselves um, as equals without even caring about that and just gunning down anybody in their path um, on a righteous quest, really, I would say. And, and there are plenty, there's plenty of bloodshed um, along the way. So uh, Mad Max Fury Road, very mature movie. Um too mature maybe for some people, but I like that it's sneaky. You know, you don't have to see all the feminist angles of it. You can just love it for a movie where guys blow each other up and uh, heads are flying and the music's loud and there's tons of colors in the air. I mean, really, it, you don't have to take anything away from it other than that. And that, to me, is another thing that makes Mad Max Fury Road a great movie. Um, I, I don't want to give it a, a, a score on five stars because I only saw it once and I saw it in theaters, so it was very exciting. Um, but I have to say it was just outstanding across the board. It, it, it's the kind of movie that gives me faith in reboots. I mean, seriously, this is why reboots can be great, um, is a movie like Mad Max Fury Road, a reimagining. It's totally different, although it sticks to the um, what made the, the original Mad Max movies, uh, what gave them their signature, the, the fast cars and the uh, wasteland and all that stuff, the the uh, dystopia. Um, but you'll you'll love Mad Max Fury Road, trust me. Um, if you like action movies and if you like stories that have a feminist kick to them, uh, just go see this movie. It is a hell of a, it's a blast to watch. I, I did not want it to end while I was sitting there watching this film. Did not want it to end at all. So um, I couldn't recommend Mad Max Fury Road um, anymore. You said a few vehicles in pursuit, maybe. We count three war parties. Yeah, well, I got unlucky. Okay, that's about going to do it for uh, this edition of the Stream Police podcast. I would uh, certainly urge you to go over to OverdueReview.com. You can read uh, our, our movie reviews, our music reviews, our TV reviews, countdowns, all kinds of stuff we have over there in the last couple of years that we've been collecting. And, and it's all original content. It's all stuff that we write, um, and, and we do it all for free. So definitely check out the website. All right, uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks here on the Stream Police. Go to OverdueReview.com until then, and uh, hit me up, vclintdavis at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for listening, and thanks uh, to Andy Sedlak, our music editor, once again for chipping in as well. We'll see you next time, folks. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.